Hello and welcome to the Sunny Point podcast. This is uh, me, Sunny again, and today's episode is going to focus on the IPO land and specifically the company and the stock of Beyond Meat. Now, first off, before we start, I know we've had a little break since our last episode and I'm sorry for the delay, but also I think at this time I'd like to say what I was have been working on specifically in the Arena of Podcasts in case you're interested. Uh so recently I've been busy launching another podcast of mine which is uh called the Project Controls podcast. So that is a podcast of like professional quality content which focuses on bringing the knowledge and stories from the world of project management and controls so people who write papers present new theories executives consultants and visionaries of the field i interview them and bring the latest to you so it's called the project controls podcast and it's supported by the western winter workshop and aace so if you want um to know more about the world of project management and controls or you know you just miss me while i'm not on here so either case you just hop on on whichever app you're listening to and subscribe to that podcast as well and let me know if you like it don't like it anyway right so yeah that's what i was up to and let's welcome back to the current episode now that we're done with the ad right so coming back um to investing let me let me assure you and i know you will believe me on this that i've been making and meaning to do a podcast episode on so many topics over the last couple of months um there's literally a notebook that i maintain while i keep adding topics that i either haven't found enough time to do like very detailed research necessary to bring the golden quality content to you or haven't gotten time to record and edit it but there is a backlog of like notebook of content and anyway i know what are you thinking let's focus on what we have today rather than not which brings us to this um uh, I guess let's call it a mini series because these are episodes that are not very long but we focus on one company and um focus on that individually. So today we're going to focus on a company that IPO'd recently and in the polls that I did came out as something that people are interested to hear about. It is called Beyond Meat. Now, have you heard about it? Probably. If not, that's better. It does have an interesting story and definitely has an interesting stock right now. So, here we go. So this is how we're going to structure this episode. We'll start with the company, the basics of what it does, uh what has its recent growth been, uh what's the hype all about, how was the IPO and how has the performance been since. First, as we cover that, I am going to do a little segue into what I think about it as a consumer. Of course, when you're investing in something, uh you have to be a happy consumer of it yourself. Maybe not all the time, but you have to keep that in mind about how you feel about the product. So I'm just going to tell you about what I think about it as a consumer, which would lead us to um actually identifying who is the end consumer for this company and their products, which would lead us to what is the market actually look like and why does the valuation it is creating on may make sense and that would take us to the you know like the point where we support the company at like at the peak because then in the second half we're going to talk about you know what the other side of it is in that why do i think if it's valid or not for it to be trading at those valuations what does the competition look like and what are the valuations and what is my final take so this is how we're going to structure it so let's try so the way the company defines itself is it produces uh, plant based meats with the same taste texture and aroma as animal based meats so for example 
Um, you're eating a sausage, for example. You instead of that, you're eating the Beyond Meat sausage, which is like it wants you to feel like you're tasting the same thing. You're having the same uh, beef, the red meat products that you're having. Um, in fact, it's like expanding its uh, categories and lines now. So you could have those things you were having as in meat, but they are actually not meat. They're meat substitutes. They taste, feel, and smell almost the same. That's what that company says. Uh, of course, you're the better judge. But talking about the products, the company's flagship product is a Beyond Burger, which has been the, you know, like the highest grossing item. What it calls is it is the world's first 100% plant-based burger, although there are there is competition somewhat, so I don't know if it's the world's first, but sure. Uh, on a whole, though, what I think is, you know, like, if you look at the trends, there are many trends going on in this generation, in this era, in this world, uh, specifically in this area of the world that are going on. And this company does, in fact, build upon a lot of them. For example, a lot of people are going vegetarian or vegan. Um, so just definitely builds upon that. Or at least people, you know, like, even they are not going vegetarian or vegan, but they're le- eating meat less, red meat less often. So that builds upon that. There is, again, uh, you know, like, you stop, you know, harming animals and creating those meats. So it is also based on a trend of uh, relating to human health and animal welfare. And eventually, because you're saving a lot of gas emitted to the atmosphere, you are helping the climate. So here we are. Those are the some issues which, you know, like the millennial people feel strongly for. And this company does, you know, follow that and is um, it itself and its products stand for that. So how has it done? Recent past, look at the past three years, it's grown extremely fast. The revenue has grown five and a half times. So in 2016, the sales for the company were 16 million. Now in 2018, just in three years, it grew five and a half times. So in 2018, the sales were 88 million. So, as we can see, the company is growing exponentially. The traction is growing a lot. It's now getting into the food chains and different restaurants. And, um, yeah, just before just before this, around the time this IPO'd, there was another news that Tim Hortons, the chain in Canada, now would test its, as in Beyond Meats, sausage breakfast across its 60 outlets around Toronto. And if that test works well, they would go national across Canada. See what's happening. More and more restaurants are testing and trying out, you know, the Beyond Meat products. And that is what the surge has been over the last three years, let's say. But what if all those tests work well? The company could actually expand all the chains of all the products um, amongst all the restaurants that have been trying it. So that has been the recent past. Now, let's go to the IPO and what's the hype about. Uh, the hype we understood in like a couple sentences just in a summary, but the IPO performance actually explains the hype the stock is about. <laughs> so when it came IPO, uh, the initial range was set at 19 to $21, which was revised up to 23 to $25, which means it was a higher, you know, like it that was a sign of a higher demand. And where did it list? $46. Yep, almost double in five days. So 23 to 25 priced, which was revised from 19 to 21. It listed at 46 and five days it rose up to $85. $85. And now 
like just last week, Thursday or Friday, it hit $105, $105. So that has gone from being priced at $25 to $105. That's five times within a month or so. And now it sports a valuation of $6 billion, which is almost what do you call it 20 times so that's like 65 times sales maybe a little bit more than that so that has been what the company is about what the recent growth has been the hype around the recent growth which is right which is that all the growth has come from testing and piloting if that works out the bigger growth is still ahead and that has been the ipo performance which is splendid so that's the background of where the things are now. In the coming segment, let me cover what I think as a consumer and what that says about what is the end consumer this company is going for. So those of you who know me know that I'm vegetarian and you would be thinking that this is a company that is based on this vegetarian trend and it's growing so big and spreading so fast and being available at more places and that you'd think that I would be rejoicing. But I'm not, really, I'm not. <laughs> I'm happy to see this trend, but I'm not really rejoicing, you know, to see this going on and, you know, I don't want to have more of it necessarily for myself. And I'll explain why. So I'm a vegetarian and I don't, you know, eat meat and I haven't in my life eaten meat not by choice sometimes accidentally in free food who knows so um yeah uh, don't ask too many questions if food is free but just kidding so when i tried this uh tried this like two three times now and i wanted to do an episode the first day it came out and I was like, no, I need to try the product first, and then it took me a couple of weeks before I could go somewhere and to have it, and then I tried it a couple more times, and then I'm like, now I have an idea. And my take is I don't like the taste at all. Maybe because I'm not used to that texture, to be honest, though, because I've never had meat, so who knows? And um, I've never, it was not a nostalgia feeling. It wasn't like, you know, I've been eating that product since, like, childhood and I gave up on meat and now I can eat that again or I mean, there was nothing like that so that's one big reason why I feel like this indeed isn't targeted for uh, people like me let's say the 10% people who have long been vegetarian and this has been targeted to the meat eater who has given up is missing the taste or who just wants to substitute it so that they want to feel like they're having the same thing without the health impacts or the environment impacts or the animal welfare impacts if they do care about it, right? So that's one. That's one reason why I'm not personally as a consumer excited for it. But in general, I'm excited about, like, you know, it's taking the world in a possibly better direction. But as myself, I'm not, like, super excited for myself. Other reason... The other reason I don't like it as much is it is the most expensive burger on the list. So when I tried it at TJ Fridays, it was $15 and then tax and then this and that and tips, you know, it comes out to be a $20 meal as a burger. And the reason that I say this is at many places, including the TJ Fridays I went to, it has replaced the local ones on the menu. 
So in countries like America, I'm guessing, like, the veggie burger is, there's just one of its kind on the menu. They don't have more choices, like, just one in case somebody wants it, you know? So they used to have other self-made ones, ones made of black beans, lentils, potatoes, falafels, peas, all those things. Now they have an easy solution. Take it in, get the Beyond Meat burger in, and replace the local one. Now this one, the one that I don't like, which is the most expensive one on the menu, $15, replaced the $10, usually the cheapest burger that was on the menu, and tasted like a vegetable burger to me. And basically, most restaurants had their own taste. Now it's being standardized, replaced by this one Beyond Meat burger, which tastes like beef, but I didn't like the taste of beef, so what do I do? Basically, have to spend five more dollars, and then whatever comes percentage-wise on top of that, and not like the taste. So I lose my one and only option of having a vegetable burger. Anyway, that was my rant. Um, so as a consumer myself, not so good. But but who am I to say anything? Uh, because as I said, is as far as the stock in the company is concerned, I am not the end market it feels like to me and that's what the company has been saying as well and that's what i think the sign has been getting from its initial rollout as well so who am i to judge because who am i to judge fake meat because i've never had the real meat so i think you'll be a better judge if you've been eating meat or you know having those burgers otherwise and you should let me know you should um tweet back at this or leave a comment on wherever you're listening and let us know but what i've um us as in me (laughs) let me know but what i've been hearing from others is that it's decent the other meat eaters is that it's decent and they do like impossible burgers slightly more but you have to let me know because i don't know so coming back uh i'm personally not as excited as a consumer but i do think that i'm not the end market either Which is to say that non-vegetarians who are health conscious slash environment conscious are what I think is the end market, right? So now it's pretty subjective how many are environment conscious, health conscious, but just thinking that if health effects of having this substitute was... um, was kind of a thing that was assumed in the society, then why not? Like, why would not the whole market at least consider it, if not want it? So with that goal or with that view, you can look at the global meat industry, which has a total market value of $1.4 trillion, and not the only 10% vegetarian spy that I was talking about. So that is the end market. Now, these this leads us to... What I was saying, why the bull case could make sense and why the valuation is so high. So let's start with that vision again, right? That it's not going after P, me, or other vegetarians like me. It is going after the entire meat market, the non-vegetarians who may like a healthier option. So the end market, total addressable market, TAM, let's say is $1.4 trillion. Now the bull case is this. Now as you're seeing what is happening is all the restaurants and the chains they're not producing their own like their own substitutes they're either having beyond meat on their menu or impossible on their menu and things like that so they are kind of 
giving them a platform advantage that can become standardized across all the restaurants as far as this trend goes. So the bull case is if there happen to be two or three players like Beyond Meat and Impossible who become the standard for this industry, for the plant-based meat industry, as they are becoming now, to be honest, they can take over this market. And let's say if this plant-based meat industry gets up replacing 10, 20, 30% of the consumption of the whole meat industry, which is like saying people who eat meat seven days, red meat seven days a week, let's say they would go back and substitute one day or two days of their uh, consumption through plant-based meats. So let's say if they do that, if 10, 20, 30% of this consumption is replaced, it could be hundreds of billions of dollars of market over the next 20 or 30 years. It will take time, right? Now, if we end up with three or four major players like Beyond Meat who end up governing this giant market, then they would have monopoly over um, the margins and sourceability and you know supply chain as well. And given the fact that they're already growing into gross profitability, it's not very difficult to imagine that they would, given the best managements out there, I mean, if they're not, they'll get one. They may be able to reach about 10% operating margins, but not too much to expect, right? So it, if they could reach and be two amongst those three or four players, and if they assume, if we assume that it covers 20 to 30% of the consum- meat consumption, and if it manages to uh, sustain the margins, then hey, it's three or four players taking hundreds of billions of dollars of market. This company could be worth at least tens of billions of dollars, if not hundreds. So definitely makes sense if you're fighting a trend or you're like banking on a trend, which is like 20, 30 years long, you're going to start with this tiny sale right now. And so you're going to value it at 60 times sales. Why not? Right? Because the sales are growing so fast. But in the statement I said, in the vision I said, do you see a problem? Did you see any problem? I saw one. There were a lot of ifs. There were a lot and lot of ifs. Let's talk about that in the coming section. Hmm. Now coming to the other side of the story. As I said, the way I see beyond meat going to the valuation of tens of billions of dollars and probably hundred billion dollars would be if the whole market is realized if this trend which is the plant based meat trend is not a fad it's actually a secular trend it goes 10 20 30 years from now it substitutes 20 30 percent of the whole market there aren't enough competition competitors to get in and you know like there's no no more than three or four competitors in the market And eventually, they end up not cutting each other's prices and margins, and they sustain 10% operating margins or plus. All those things have to happen. The reality is, though, that it's not always this rosy. The reality is, though, it's not always this perfect. We've seen this after industry after industry, trend after trend, and product after product, that we should not value companies by TAM, not at least after it goes into billions of dollars. Because valuations by TAM and coming down are very easy to do and very rosy pictures are painted which are very easy to justify. But there's a lot of journey that happens till a market actually realizes what that market is. You know, like if it's a fad, it's not even a market in the long term. But if it's not, then a lot of things happen. 
you think everybody is just letting Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger let go with this whole market if it actually gets realized? No, absolutely no way. As the truth is, let's talk about the truth. The truth is, as TAM, the total market addressable market, gets realized, what happens? As the market realizes that a higher portion of the market is being carried away by this trend, what happens? New competitors enter, prices get cut, margins get eroded, and the industry fundamentally changes slash evolves. And that evolution, that journey, is a painful one. Many people slash companies, sorry, not people. <laughs> Many com- companies are born, they come in. Many companies die. Eventually, some rule and exist. Is Beyond Meat the one? Or it's one of its competitors? We don't know yet. Now, let's talk about competition, which brings us to the competition. Um, we're going to talk about three. Uh, there might be others. There are others. But let's talk about three competition players right now. I should have said competitors, but anyway. Um, the most direct one, which I actually heard before Beyond Meat to start with, was Impossible Burger. I heard about it in the news where Burger King was, so the news, the news that I read was Burger King is starting to offer vegetable burgers, vegetable-based burgers. So I was like, okay, what's that? And then I got to know that was a plant-based Impossible Burger sandwich, which Burger King would be kind of selling at their three test markets, which is Miami, Columbus, and Alabama. So today, they're testing these out, and yeah, if that test goes well, they will take it national. So Impossible Burger is also available in many chains, many places. Um, They're getting into grocery stores and some restaurants like Burger King. Now, one of the things that has been said about Beyond Meat is that its backers, as in early investors, are like really big names. But so is the list for Impossible Burgers. If you look at the institutional investors for Impossible Burgers, it includes Kosla Ventures, Bill Gates, Google Ventures, Horizon Ventures, UBS, Viking Global, Temasek, Sailing Capital, and Open Philanthropy Project. All these high-profile names are also behind Impossible Burger. You know, the list goes long. Um, And recently, it disclosed that Impossible Burger also raised $300 million in a fresh funding round just after Beyond Meat went public and is now also considering a potential IPO. So I think I talked about this somewhere else where usually when one company is the only game in town that is public, the valuation it gets is pretty high because that's the only game if you want to play that trend. But as soon as competition enters and becomes public, there's more information available, there's more reality available, and the prices go down. We have seen this in in latest case, we've seen this, what happened to the Lyft IPO after the Uber IPO came in, but there have been many other cases like that. So that's Impossible Burger. Second, let's not forget Tyson. Tyson is the biggest meat player out there. And how is Tyson gonna let go this 10 20 30 percent substitution of its own market of course it will try to you know run campaigns and stuff that we're not aware of wanting to um what do we say dissolve this trend but on the other hand it's gonna make sure that if a trend becomes a trend secular trend not just a fad that it itself tyson itself captures that market so tyson has announced that 
Tyson actually was an investor in Beyond Meat and it pulled out just before the IPO because it said it will go solo. Now, anytime if you're disrupting someone's market and that player itself is going to go solo and come in direct competition with you, it's a threat. I'm not saying it's uh, it's a given, you know, like death sentence because it may prove out how Apple went against IBM. So it's not that the new player cannot sustain, but Tyson has the supply chain figured out. Tyson has many facilities and production figured out. Tyson has the financing. Tyson has the cash flow. Tyson has the capital. And Tyson has, most importantly, agreements in place with most retailers. They have the shelf space already sitting there. So Tyson has announced that late summer or early fall, they will be releasing their own competitor, as in product-wise, versus versus Beyond Meat Burgers, Beyond Burgers. So that's one. The third one is Nestle. <laughs> yeah, it's Nestle. So Nestle has been working on their concept since a long time, and it is actually now also in test markets. Who has it been trying? Like what restaurants it's been trying in? Take a guess. It's McDonald's. Yep. So McDonald's in Germany is having now this vegan burgers on their menu and they're actually not producing it. They are basically hosting and trying Nestle's burger. They're calling it the Big Vegan TS burger um, or something along that lines. So and Nestle is also has the same thing. A lot of history, a lot of talent, a lot of capital, a lot of resources, a lot of production and a lot of shelf space already contracted with a lot of retailers. So tomorrow it can launch a product and which it is now launching to uh, planning to launch in US pretty soon and go nationwide. So that's one. That's the third one. Now the ones that we haven't yet talked about I think is McDonald's itself. I think McDonald's is just trying it out if it works, if it can see that people all along the country or the world want it and keep wanting it i'm sure something is going on at mcdonald's kitchens where tomorrow it can make its own mcdonald's cannot offer at its scale to give out margin to anybody else so i'm sure somebody something is in the works in the mcdonald's kitchens and others like that but for now i know that would just be speculation you'd be like sunny you don't even know this is just you know wanting to attack Beyond Meat. So even without McDonald's, Impossible Burger, Tyson, and Nestle. Impossible being the most direct one, Tyson being the market leader of the market it's trying to disrupt, and Nestle being the obvious food leader, the food guy. So these three competitors are already existing, and they are going full steam now. Like Impossible is Looking forward to an IPO, it just raised money. Tyson is coming late summer. Nestle is already testing and is ready to launch in US and other areas. So it's not like a drug company where you know your end market is big enough and a new competition just started preclinical and they'll take 10 years to come into phase three and have a product on the market. This is not like that. This is where the competition is already in the market slash already being in the market. So I guess 
you hear some skepticism in my voice, so you kind of know where I'm going with this. But in the last section, let's see what the takeaway is. So you've listened to the both sides, but clearly, as I said, from my enthusiasm about either side, you may have uh, been able to tell what my takeaway is on this talk right now. But to conclude, before we get to this talk, let me say this. It is an amazing growth story, and I love this concept. I want it to succeed. I want it to grow bigger. I wanted the meat market to be substituted with the plant-based beets because it is more healthier, and I don't know exactly how and what because I know there are studies on both sides and contending different things, but at least it's not harming enough animals. So I'm definitely in favor of it. I hope it goes forward. I hope it's not a fad. I hope a year down the road we don't look back at it and be like, you know the time we talked about plant-based meats? Who goes there anymore, you know? I hope this company and the industry succeeds. And... I also love their management team. They're very genuine, at least the CEO and people I heard. Um, They seem very genuine. They seem very honest. They seem like, you know, like little guys who made it big and who mean good and are trying to make it big as a business versus... uh, I'm going to support them versus, you know, big guys coming in and copying a product and taking the food chain and supply chain and all the shelf space and beating them at their own game and then doing all the bad practices anyway. So rather than Tyson, any day I would go and support Beyond Meat to go big, go further, and grow bigger, and probably substitute the whole market. So I love the concept. I love it for the people. I love it for society, for the animals, the environment, and what all it stands for. But that takes us back to this as an investing show, not just a company review show. So let's come back to the stock. And the answer is, I wouldn't buy it here. Um, it's a $100 stock now, which is a $6 billion valuation. And to be honest, all the positives slightly also go into the negatives, first of all. So to start with, plant-based meat industry is too nascent as a stage for me to declare a winner. Even to say that it is a long-term trend, we would need more data. But even if it is, to declare a winner, I think it's too early to declare a winner. And that's what you're doing by paying 60 times sales. Not like the 20, 30 years, the tens of billions of dollars of market, but at least you're declaring beyond me the winner for the next some years, which I think for even that, it's too soon to say. I feel like all the food companies, um, they're like food producers, the people who keep the food on the aisle, the processed food, and then there are the chains or the restaurants that sell the food, right? So I feel like most chains and restaurants who are offering Beyond Burgers and Impossible Burgers on their menu are actually doing it just to test it for now. It's easy for them to not have a new recipe, to not have the new way of like doing and working out the right method of producing it and mass producing it. They save all the effort, they save all the time just to test out if this is working or not throughout the market, throughout the markets, and throughout the time. So they're figuring it out if it is a fad or actually a generational trend. And the successful Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger would get, the more successful this trend would get, this would go against them. Because sooner or later, if it is actually a long-term trend, 
restaurants and chains like McDonald's will create their own. As I said, I truly believe their kitchens are working really hard. And as soon as the brand reputation fades of Beyond Meat, as soon as people see that it's just replaceable with something else, which I'm sure Beyond Meat says it's not, but I'm sure there are enough smart people in other areas of the companies, other companies and the world to figure it out. The other ways to, you know, like go around the patent a little bit and find out a new way of producing 100% plant-based, similar tasting, you know, meat substitutes. As soon as that is pretty visible, it just happens like Uber and Lyft. Like if Uber is the only way I can get from A to B, like Uber is awesome. But if it is Lyft is a choice, I take Lyft as equally. And again, to take Uber, I would have an Uber at a lower price. So it it reduces its competitive edge, which I think would happen if it if the trend succeeds. And if it doesn't succeed, then it's a fad. <laughs> it's a losing end on both ways, but I hope it succeeds. And in which case, I believe it will be a much tougher market than we see today. It will be a much tougher scenario than it seems today. And I seem there would be a lot of ifs that would be challenged with a lot of buts and a lot of, you know, roadblocks in the way. So with all that, I'm going to leave it for now. I'm just going to, I wish I could just say, I'm going to ignore the stock and just eat the product and enjoy. But as I said, my take as a consumer for myself, I don't even enjoy the burger. I just, I just like what the company is doing, which is like what I say about Tesla, right? I don't enjoy the product. I'm not able to enjoy the product. Uh, I'm not buying a Tesla. Uh, of course, if I had like hundreds of thousand dollars on the side laying around and my investing philosophy was different, that I would really enjoy Tesla. But right, given where I am and what I think about investing money and where it is, I'm not going to buy a Tesla. So, you know, that product is not necessarily for me, although it's a great product by itself, maybe. Um, but I like Tesla because it's changing the whole industry farther than uh, much more than it is serving its own shareholders, right? Like right now, we're saying the Tesla stock is suffering. So, but on a whole, it has changed the landscape so much that a lot of industry is moving towards electric and better design, to be honest. So it's like Tesla is not serving its own shareholders as much now as it is serving the movement towards sustainable um, mobility. Now, coming back, I think this is <laughs> nothing should be compared to Tesla. That could be like very sentimental at different times, uh, both in the bullish and the bearish side. But what I'm saying is I love what this company is doing to the whole industry, to the trends. But as a stock in itself, it's going to stay away. So that's my take. If you have any questions, further comments, what are you doing? But also, if you are a meat eater, what do you think about their burgers? Are they good enough? Are they better than impossible or not? You know, let me know. Leave the comment wherever you're listening or saw this podcast be it any podcast platform you listen on, like CastBox, Apple Podcasts, or be it a social media channel you saw this posted on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. Leave a comment and let me know of this. And also ask or tell us, us being me, <laughs> about what would you like me to cover next. Thank you a lot for listening. And again, this episode, other than what my other podcast I told you about at the very start, is not supported by ads. So if you like what you hear and if you would like to hear more of me and, you know, like encourage me a little bit more, 
spread the word around a little bit more, get some more listeners to listen to this free content. And I don't know, if you like it a lot, just say hi and share it with others and leave a five-star review. Okay, thank you for listening again. And test out that burger.